Greetings, everybody. Welcome to We Talk Photo, our podcast on landscape and nature photography. I'm John Peterson, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Jack Graham. Good morning from the Pacific Northwest. The beautiful Pacific Northwest. Yeah, we're enjoying some uh, actual good weather up here right now, which is uh, which is sort of a nice thing. Not too hot, not too cold, just perfect. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that today and you know from my backyard i can see mount rainier and it's been thundering and lightning and booming up there almost every afternoon um i'm here with my lovely granddaughter from the east coast came out yesterday we're gonna head up there today and hopefully we'll get into some some crazy weather and uh maybe take a photograph or two you never know but it's been a little bit strange weather the last couple of days here, and so a lot of rain up in the mountains. And uh, but really nice where where we are, right? Yeah, John? yeah. We've had a lot of thunder and lightning down here in Portland, which is which is pretty rare for the West Coast. We're not big on thunder thunderstorms yeah. down here, and uh, it's all. been a it's been a really cool change. I uh, I always enjoy weather and dramatic weather, and and uh, we've had a lot of it down here, which is it's been a treat quite honestly so yep yeah that's a good thing well let's um jack let's go ahead and jump into some news stories because we always seem to do a news segment every time and so let's uh what you got on the news side of things you know it's the summer so things are a little bit that i mean they're not you know still but they're slowed down a bit and you know the corporations are not bringing out a lot of new stuff uh, this time of year. They will be soon getting ready for the fourth quarter. But a couple of things, I did finally see that uh, Sigma actually is introducing four lenses for the Sony mount, wow. which is going to be good for, good for Sony, uh, bring them up to speed on their lens selection. Um, from what I'm hearing from my folks at Fujifilm is that GFX is going over well. I, I think, think they sold, I think their demand is three times what they have supply for is the last thing I heard. Yeah, it is. And it's all good. I'm going to finally get to play with one, uh, during my workshop at Mount Rainier next month. Good. Uh, Louis Navarro is going to come up and see us and, bring the gfx 100 which ought to be uh be fun uh find another way to spend some money i guess <laughs> the other the only other thing i have news wise i you know i use this loop deck uh, i don't know if you all know what the loop deck is it's a device that plugs into your computer it's usb and it is an interesting way of processing images it has uh sliders and uh, turn dials rather than, um, you know, the, the mouse oriented stuff that we use in Lightroom. Uh, it's much more precise and it makes things a little bit, um, you know, I enjoy using it. I don't do it all the time, but I use it all the time, but sometimes I use it and it, it really is kind of a cool thing. And I just read that they finally, uh, adapted it for Photoshop. Yep. And now you can use it both in Photoshop and Lightroom. Prior to this, it was only for Lightroom. And uh, it uh, it's an interesting 
interesting little device, uh, L-O-U-P-E-D-E-C-K. They're about 250 bucks, um, but it's a very precise uh, editing tool. Um, I know, John, you use the Wacom pad. Yep, I use a I use a pen and tablet, and you use the loop deck, and we both use the keyboard and the mouse, and yep. uh, lots of different ways to to skin the cat. Yep, yep, lots of different ways to turn your phone off too. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah. Well, hey, one of the things I read was uh, you know 2019 marks the 100 year anniversary for Grand Canyon National Park. Really. That's what? a big milestone, a centennial for that park. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's old. It's a it's a tough park to shoot in the summer because it's always hazy down there, you know. It and, is, and it's always packed with people. But later in the summer, when the monsoon moisture comes in, which we can talk about in a couple minutes, uh, the North Rim is really cool. The North Rim is very different from the South Rim, and you can't get in there in the in the winter because of the snow, but it's a lot um, less crowded and better places to uh, shoot uh, the, the weather and thunder and lightning and all that stuff when it comes in later in the summer during the monsoon season. But that's interesting. 100 years. Wow. 100 years. Yeah. And they're marking it. Uh, you know, Jack Dikinga did a lot of work down there. And he's yep. got a, a an exhibition at a gallery down there in Tucson. And that's what. Oh, good for him. Well, he lives in Tucson. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 hundred years. Wow, I know. Yeah, our national park system in this country is pretty amazing, and uh, there's actually been on the on the TV. There's been a lot of uh, you know the Yellowstone programs, special programs on America's national parks have been on. They're really pushing the national park system right now through yeah, different different channels. You know what that means? It's hmm. more people. It does mean more people. And you know what that means? Tougher photography. Yep. And expensive hotel rooms. <laughs> and expensive hotel rooms. That's the truth. That's for sure. And That's for sure. Okay. Um, you know. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, no, you go. I was going to say the other bit of news I saw that was a little bit more local to us was they're relocating uh, mountain goats out of Olympic National Park and putting them back in the North Cascades. They're, they've got a huge effort. It's been going on for a couple of years to airlift the goats out of the park and put them back in a habitat that's more conducive to them. They're not, um, they're not native to the Olympic National Park area the, itself. And so I've they're, seen one there, but they're moving them be up real high. Yeah. Apparently there was a goat that, uh, or a mountain sheep that attacked uh, a hiker back in 2010. And that sort of led people to start looking at why there's goats in the park and should they be moved. And uh, they they agreed that it should be moved. Well, it'd be better for them. For sure. For sure. Yeah, there's no, uh, you know, they love the, the salt, you know, which we see out in the Tetons with the uh, bighorn sheep. But... You know, they love the salt, and that sort of attracts them. In the Olympic National Park, there's not a lot of salt sources, and so they're more attracted to humans because of sweat, urine, whatever it may be with salt in it. And uh, so it's causing them to be a little bit more interactive with humans than what they should be. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah. Interaction with humans is... Sometimes good for all of us. I know. 
I know that was me yesterday. I'd had enough of people. Yeah. Well, so, so that's well, those are the only things I had in the news today. Well, yesterday my granddaughter from the East Coast showed up for a few days. We're going to go up to the San Juans tomorrow and to Rainier today, and then uh, spend the Fourth of July here blowing things up. Yay! And then uh, I'm heading to the East Coast for a couple of days, but. You know, when uh, she took out her Instax camera, which uh, her name is Marin, and when Marin took out her Instax camera, she says, you have to see my Polaroid camera. And being a Fujifilm X photographer and being so Fujifilm oriented, I had to quickly correct Marin and say it's not a Polaroid, it's an Instax. And so now she gets it. But Marin's sitting here with me. Come on, she get a little closer, kiddo. And just what do you like about that camera? I think it's cool looking. Now you don't have to really put all the pictures on a hard drive and then print them out one by one. They print out by themselves, which is amazingly awesome. Cool. But I just love it. So, Marin, does it, does your camera come with a printer? Um, it comes with a printer on the top, the, and it comes with film on the inside. Wow. It's a little cartridge, and the cartridge goes in. I think a lot of people, you know, the, the, the Instax to Fujifilm is a, is a real uh, 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 important part of what they make, and uh, in terms of different products, but it's a it's it's a major portion of um, the income for the company, and it's huge. It's absolutely huge. You, know, you should see the displays even all over the world. I mean, I've seen them in Iceland. Um, hey, but, Marin. Yeah. Why do you, why do you like to have a printed picture instead of a digital picture? Because I just think. You can share more things with the other people. Like, if you were going to take a picture of them and their friends, you can give them that picture right away, and you don't have to tell them, wait for me to print it out on a, on a piece of paper. It, it's easy. Wow, that's cool. It's kind of a throwback, isn't it, Joe? It is a throwback, going back to an actual printed picture. What a concept. I know. You know, you know, and what's what's interesting is Fujifilm does make a a, a, a separate printer for uh, Instax. It's called a Share SP3, um, and you can carry it around, and now you can even plug that printer into the Fujifilm cameras that we use hmm. and print right out of there immediately. It's really pretty cool. Did not know that. That is really cool. Yeah. And you know, if you're, if you're, uh, for example, if I was, uh, down in the Navajo country or in the Indian country and I was doing some photographs with them, it, you know, when they see the image come out of a printer right away, it makes them happy and makes them even more accessible for us. It's kind of a neat thing. And and uh, and there's so, something about having a printed picture that's more it's more authentic, more real, more personal, more connected than just a 
a bunch of pixels on a phone you know, in a digital space. I would agree with that. Thank yeah. you. Well, Marin is a, a pretty good little photographer, too, and I'm uh, going to take the uh, XT20, uh, which I don't have an XT30 yet because the new charcoal XT30 just came out. It's a beautiful camera, but I can't get one until I get there. They're so back-ordered, um, they're really hard to find right now. So uh, I'm going to give her an XT20, and we're going to go up and – Take the Instax and take the XT20 and maybe make a couple photographs up of Mount Rainier as soon as we get done recording this podcast. Anyhow, Marin, thank you for your your great words. We're going to make you a star here. Okay. Thanks, Marin. <laughs> You're welcome. So let's get into the weather, John. Let's, let's talk about the weather because, you know, that's always a pretty uh, a hot topic that everybody seems to talk about around the water cooler or in photography circles. Or in podcasts. Or in podcasts, exactly. Um, I, you know, I, I know you're a weather person as well, but, you know, it, I love dealing with weather forecasts, especially during the winter when the storms come in and it's amazing how often they're not correct. And I've kind of learned that by looking at a few different websites, um, and we're going to list those for you, um, you can really get a pretty good idea about uh, what goes on with the weather. And I think we maybe we'll end up with those sites, John, but let's talk about why it's so important to know what the weather is going to be in order to make some decent photographs. Well, you know, the, the, the first thing when you serve that up, the first thing that comes to mind, I mean, what, what we do as photographers is we capture light, right? That's the whole thing around photography. And, and, uh, light is driven and dictated largely by weather, you know, what the quality of light, how much light there is, how much clouds there are. And so your weather, as everybody knows who's listening, you know, your weather really dictates what kind of images you're going to be able to create out in the field. And and setting your own expectations as you travel to a location, um, knowing what kind of weather you're going to face is really critical for you having a, a productive time out in the field. It's as important as knowing where to go, when to go, and when to go is kind of dictated not only by the sunrise and sunset, but by the weather. By the weather, yep. What are you going to wear? Are you going to need something to protect your gear? So much is dependent on the weather. And I always tell folks that if you, if you, you know, know your subject matter, you're going to be a better photographer. But if you know the weather, you're going to be even a better photographer. Yeah. You know, and, and so many times both you and I, Jack, have, have changed our itinerary, whether it's with a group or just by ourselves, based upon the weather. We may want to shoot, let's say, a grand landscape, but the weather's not conducive to that. So we'll switch midstream and go shoot some macros or go shoot some tight shots. Um, Remember the Palouse? Yeah, oh, yeah. I print, we had... Uh, we had uh, itineraries printed out. I handed them out on the meet and greet. And I said, here's your itinerary. When you get back to your room, throw it away. 
<laughs> because the weather no the weather changed radically uh different than they forecasted and we had a completely different itinerary other than saturday morning for the entire event yeah yeah it completely changed the itinerary the weather and uh Taking advantage of the weather or responding or reacting to the weather is so critical for being um, for being successful when you're out in the field on location. It is. And there's a couple ways to to and it's real simple. I don't think it's complicated, but, um, you know, it's really simple to to know to know what's going to happen or at least have a best guess. Um, and, 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 And again, we'll keep this pretty short and sweet but uh john i'll i'll tell you what i what i do a little bit and then let yeah. you let you uh add on to it um for those of you who don't know there's three different uh weather forecast uh systems in the world one is the european model one's the canadian model and one is our u.s model it's known as the national oceanic uh uh, weather system, NOAA, NOAA. And uh, if you study the forecast, you'll find out that our system is the least accurate. Um, the European and Canadian models are much more accurate than ours. The Europeans, pro- I think there's probably a, probably a little bit more accurate than the Canadian model, but not by much. It's pretty good. And, and different um, forecast people use different models. Obviously, if you go to the NOAA website, they're going to look at really their model, but they're not incorporating some of the information from the European model and the Canadian model within it. Uh, If you go to AccuWeather, A-C-C-U-W-E-A-T-H-E-R, AccuWeather.com, that is, I think they use the European model, and they're pretty accurate. The Weather Channel used to be horrendous uh, years ago, but they've really um, figured out that they needed to look at different models. So I think they're kind of combining the three and coming up with their best guess. But I think they're using AccuWeather's uh, radar system now. Um, I remember when we lived in Ohio, it, it was it could be thundering and lightning and pouring rain. And they're and they're showing where I lived and saying it's going to rain in a half an hour. I said, "Well, you're late. It's already doing it." And now they're pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I look at the AccuWeather, uh, and I actually have the AccuWeather Premium uh, page, which I think costs a few dollars a month, but the radar is better and the information's better. Um, I look at NOAA, uh, and I look at Weather Underground quite a bit and uh they're working with the weather channel now as well um but between the three of those i can pretty much come up uh when i have a workshop i actually have a spreadsheet one with a column for accuweather one for NOAA, and one for uh weather underground or even intellicast i-n-t-e-l-l-i-c-a-s-t dot com uh, and what I do is I look at the area and I look at the days where we're going to be and look at the temperature predictions and the weather predictions and look at the differences between all three or all four and then average them out. And that way 
uh, we have a good idea what's going to happen. Um, a lot of times, uh, regional areas have some regional folks that are really adept to predicting the weather in that area. And, uh, for example, in Jackson, uh, Wyoming, there's a uh, mountain mountainweather.com is uh, is is pretty good for local stuff. Here in the Pacific Northwest, if you anybody lives up in Oregon, or mainly Seattle or, or, or Oregon, um, there's a gentleman who teaches over at the University of Washington. His name is Cliff Mass, M-A-S-S. He does an amazing blog and is very, very accurate in predicting the weather uh, in, in our area. And uh, uh, where we live is we have this thing out there called the Pacific Ocean that seems to screw things up as far as <laughs> forecasting goes. But, you know, they have all these computers and they can't figure the ocean out because the ocean's got a mind of its own. And um, But there's there's uh, there's Cliff Mass. It's, it's really a good thing if you live up in this area. Um, and uh, he's got some links on there that uh, uh, are really good, and some blog archives you can go back and uh, and uh, and study that. But Cliff Mass is really good, and you know, there's a lot of other little things you have to know, John. You have to know. I mean, I wonder how many people know that uh, when you see a rainbow, you're looking at the reflected light um, from raindrops. Yep. And to get a perfect rainbow, you need about a 42-degree angle, somewhere between 40 and 45 degrees. That's why you don't see uh, uh, rainbows at noontime, usually, unless this, you're at somewhere where you can get about a 45-degree angle from the sun. Yeah. Uh, Galen Rowell taught me that. And uh, you, don't, you, ha- you have to know that. Um you have to know about sunrise and sunset. I mean, it, it really helps to know when those things are going to happen. And on my iPhone, um, there's a website or, a, or, 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 or uh, an area called uh, Photo Pills, P-A-L-L-S. And it, it's got a planning system. It's got sun and moon. It's got all sorts of photo stuff. But it also has a uh, a nice little um, application that tells you when the golden hour, the blue hour, twilight, nautical twilight. You know, there's a million things in there. It's really, really a good thing to do. Uh, how about you? Have you figured out anything that I'm missing? Nothing really beyond that. You know, for me, Jack, I do use Weather Underground a lot. That's probably my primary source for for overall weather information as well as NOAA. I'll go to there a lot. Um, being being out here and traveling to the Oregon coast um, a couple of times a month, uh, you know, understanding the tides and the tidal swings is extremely important. So having an app around um, tracking the tidal shifts and the winds high tide, winds low tide, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just also having local knowledge of an area or of a location um, just because you know the tide is high you know thinking about Thor's well over on the beach this beautiful iconic hole in the rock 
that is fantastic to photograph, but the tides have to be just right and at a certain height. You know, if it's at 0.1 feet versus 3 feet of a tide, you're going to have a much different composition. And so knowing knowing how to read the tide tables to to get that kind of shot that you want. You know, as you were talking about the, the weather apps, so, and I was thinking about the Oregon coast again, was, you know, the one thing they never really talk about is that persistent marine layer that's offshore that, that kills every sunset in the summer. How many times, John, have you been there and it looked like it's going to be an amazing sunset, right? Yeah. And at the last minute, here it comes, the marine layer. The marine layer comes in and it just blocks the entire horizon line and you're just wah, wah. That's it. That's done. Um but knowing that and having some knowledge of an area from a weather pattern perspective is is extremely important. You know, and even just thinking back to the Palouse, the formation of thunderstorms, you know, knowing if you're in the Midwest or in, in kind of the Rocky Mountain states, knowing how the thunderstorms develop and when they develop. Um, what conditions go into doing that? Because, because again, that's huge drama in the sky that you could photograph well, if you it. if you have an idea of when they're coming. The reason that I'm doing this podcast with you right now is because I don't want to be at Rainier at ten o'clock in the morning because the forecast and I'm looking out to the west from my office here. I can see the clouds starting to form. Um, is for some thunderstorms and big cumulonimbus up there this afternoon. So I'm kind of waiting it out a little bit, and I'll get up there about noon, one o'clock, instead of getting up there at ten. Mm-hmm. So you, you you know you do have to know those things. You know, there's another another uh, website called sunsetwx.com. Oh yes, and they're pr- actually pretty good about predicting sunrises and sunsets. They update the forecast at 4 p.m. Uh, and I think at uh, 10 a.m. Uh, local time every day. And and it, there's a map of the country. And if it's going to be a good sunset, it'll be orange. If it's going to not be, it'll be blue. At sunsetwx.com. Really, really cool site. Cool. Yes, that's a good one. You know, Jack, as you were as you were talking about the thunderstorms, I kind of flashed back too from a um, you know the other big deal around weather is just safety, right? For us as photographers, being outside and uh, you know you want to be stuck out in a thunderstorm, lightning storm, that's not a lot of fun. You know, some people enjoy it, but there's a there's an increased risk for harm that happens. Yeah, well, how do you, how are you going to get? How are you going to get a, um, a lightning shot if you're not out in the lightning? I mean, you well, could... there's in the lightning, and then there's lightning off in the distance. That is true. That yes, is true. so there's a big difference. But then, but then I also thought too, like you know, if you're photographing down in the desert southwest, and there's uh, during the springtime when there's rain happening, you know, you're down in the slot canyons, and uh, you're not just looking at the weather. In your immediate vicinity, you need to look at weather 30, 40 miles away because those yep. flash floods travel those kinds of distances. They have killed people. Yep, they have. So, you know, that's the other really cool or good thing about about really knowing the weather and being a, a weather junkie when it comes to photography. 
Well, you know, as uh, as a famous photographer once said, bad weather makes good photographs. Oh, yes, it does. So, you know, just put on your bad weather clothes. And, you know, you're going to come. Uh, in fact, I ought to send you this video of of us trying to get out of the hotel room in Iceland um, uh, last uh, January. But if I if I send you this, nobody will come to Iceland with me anymore. <laughs> we just had a freaky, freaky day. I was doing a workshop with one client prior to our normal workshop, and we were up in, uh, I forget where we were. We were up north of Reykjavik, and the uh, the wind was so bad we couldn't get the hotel door to open. But that was a very freakish thing. It normally has to do that, but it was fun. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I love but- it. Yeah, I you know the the point is is that the weather the weather really drives what we do and what we shoot. So John, yeah, talk about what we do when we go to a location and the weather is horrible. In other words, bald skies, no drama. What do you do? We sit around and tell bad jokes for a few hours. I could do that all day long. <laughs> I know you can. No, I mean, a, a large part of it is, is shooting the available light. You know, if the light for the the primary subject, let's say a big grand landscape, right? If the light's not great for that, go find something that you can shoot with the light that's available. Yeah. You know, go shoot macros. Go shoot intimate portraits. Go inside. Go find a cool building go you know do street photography there's a million things to do with the available light how about use that time to go find a location to shoot in good light yeah you can do that too you can go scouting exactly yep yeah for sure there's there's never there never should be a downtime based upon weather there's always something to do yeah when the weather changes your original itinerary yep well, bottom line is, for all of us, and I, I, I bet all, most of you folks know this already, you, you have to know what the weather is going to be. It's, it's, it's exceedingly important. And uh, it's only going to help your, your, your photography. Um, I know it's another thing to have to spend time on, but this is important. Uh, so you have the right things packed. You have the right gear. You know where to go. You know when to go or when not to go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, you just you just have to know that stuff. And I think John, all these uh, apps and these websites that we talked about, you know, Cliff and Moss and Underground and AccuWeather, and uh, you know, I'll tell you, I'll give you one more. All right. It's a really cool site. It's made for surfers, and it's called Storm Surf. And it's www.stormsurfing.com. And it gives you about a hundred and, or about kind of thick, maybe 200 and something hours of forecast for the jet stream and the storm patterns. And you see the entire planet flat on your screen. And you can follow the jet stream. Uh, from Eastern Africa all the way across across America, 
and then back through Europe and then back into Eastern Africa and from the North Pole to the South Pole. Hmm. It's amazing. You That's can, pretty cool. You, you can see and you can say, well, in 180 hours out, it's going to be storming here. Or 135 hours out, it's going to be doing this. And it's really it's so accurate. It's scary. Well, you know, an, another little fringe thing off of that, Jack, that just reminded me, we don't get a lot of it here, but there are um, there's apps out there to predict uh, solar activity. So corona ejections, northern, which really result in the northern lights. So if, yep. if you're in an area where you can see the northern lights, there's a, a couple of good sites and apps to forecast when you might see greater solar activity to uh, to bring the northern lights. So that's you know another thing to track if you're in a good area. Yeah, and we we get them up here, uh, rare, but we do get them. Um, I'm trying to remember. Um, the website that I use for it, I think it's, I think it's Aurora Service, Aurora Dash Service dot EU, uh, is a good one. And then there's another one called the Aurora Hunter dot com. I think is pretty good. Uh, but you know, when we're in Iceland, um, the Iceland weather forecast actually on their weather, uh, National Weather Service for Iceland. Uh, they actually predict um, the aurora, and they could tell you what the percent on a scale of one to ten is each uh, each day. It's, That's pretty cool. Well, it's such a common occurrence; it's just part of their regular forecast. Yeah, yeah. you have to know that. You have to know it. Uh, yeah. So, um, if you want to go shoot stars, you better know if it's going to be cloudy. Yeah. And by the way, the uh, just. For those of you who are into that kind of stuff, and we're going to be doing it up at Rainier, um, the meteor uh, uh, meteor showers are going to start pretty soon. Um, Perseid showers. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think they peak August seventeenth. I think. Yeah, sometime later on in August they peak. Yeah. And we're going to be up there. The uh, the week before, and a great a great uh, website to know when that's going to happen is uh, it's real easy. It's called space.com, and it will tell you um, where, when, and how, and predict uh, when they'll peak and all of that good stuff. Um, space.com. It's really a great little website to to predict that and. Like I say, I think they peak around August seventeenth. If I'm not, I'm not uh, not not uh, wrong. A lot to know, though, in there. Yeah, there's a lot to keep track of for and sure. So, so this little twenty-minute little podcast about <laughs> weather turned into what about thirty-five, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Well, you know, it's a, it's an important part of what we do as photographers. So it's uh, we need to give it the give it the good time. Uh, we're going to post all these websites on our um, on our on our webpage under show notes. Um, but if anybody has any questions, get a hold of John and I, and we'll get back to you. And you can do that by sending us an email at wetalkphoto at gmail dot com. 
And I would also say that if anybody else uses uh, uses an app that they really love that's that's great that we didn't mention, um, let us know about it, and we'll Absolutely. we'll post that up as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's horrible. Apropos. All right. So before we get into too many bad jokes, we'll uh, I think call this a podcast, Jack. Bad humor. Hey, I have one more for you. Though. Yeah. Storm Radar by the Weather Channel. Um, just go to the, it's it's a Google app or an Apple app. Storm Radar. It's great. It's amazing. Excellent. Yeah, I've got two or three radar apps sitting on my phone as well. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And then you tell them where you are, and they'll send you a notification. They'll say rain beginning in fifteen minutes, and it's scary how right they are. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. All right, yep. all right, everybody. I think that uh, should put the nail in things for today. I think that's a wrap. So Shut thank up. you, everybody, for listening. And Marin, thank bye you bye. for being part of our our. Uh, extravaganza here today yeah yay Marin. john have a good fourth of july we'll uh touch base on another podcast in a week to 10 days How's that it? sounds great i hope everybody has a great fourth of july and uh stay tuned for more fun conversations from us and subscribe to the podcast on our website we talk photo.com yeah. see you all later Alrighty, bye-bye